You want some sexy? You want to laugh? License to talk. <laughs> License to talk is brought to you by Goodspeed's Beverage Center, 2202 Seneca Street. They got seltzers, heavy beers, light beers. Get Tommy off his ass and have him help you out at Goodspeed's Beverage Center. First in Buffalo, firemen own and operate 391 Abbott Road. Custom t-shirts, custom hats. Get your custom gear at First in Buffalo. Mr. Submarine, 1977, South Park Avenue, serving South Buffalo since 1963. Lowest prices in town. Try the ham sub, salt and pepper. Tell them license to talk, sent ya. Bottle Rocket Beer Reserve, 2182 Seneca Street. They got a, you could book your private events there. A lot going on. The Rocket is stocked and ready to rock. Go Bills. Vinyl Vibes. Check them out on the gram at Vinyl Vibes Buffalo. Vinyl stickers, decals, and custom designs created by our boy Quails at Vinyl Vibes. Dog Ears Bookstore. 688 Abbey Road. Don't get your coffee from Timmy when you can get it from Tommy. Get in there, support a local business, buy a book, and read something. Charlie's Boatyard. 1111 Furman Boulevard, great fish fries, great sunset, service is great, drinks are cool, they will keep you refreshed at Charlie's Boatyard. All right, Marky, our next guest is AJ Varel. He's an American kickboxer, martial artist, actor, stuntman, and inductee into the Pro Martial Arts Hall of Fame. AJ, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? AJ's an old friend of us, of ours, too. <laughs> so. so, AJ, in this area, how tough was it growing up getting into martial arts? Because you see it a lot now. It, it, it gets structure for kids and discipline. When do you get into the world of martial arts? Wow. All right. Well, that uh, that happened probably when I was about five, six. My stepmother was my judo instructor. And uh, so there became a passion of it then. And, of course, growing up and you're watching, you know, the films and you find your, you know, the people you idolize and, and you want to be at. And you're always mimicking or imitating them and trying to get into those moves. And uh, once you get into a class, you realize it's none of that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the first thing you're doing is learning how to fall. And I'm like, why am I going to get my ass kicked everywhere? <laughs> you know? So but that's that's what it comes down to. And uh, there weren't many places in this area that, you know, I, that I look back on um, that that had that or taught it in the in this area. And uh, so when I got into other martial arts like Kempo and, and Taekwondo and, and things of that nature and Gojin Ru and Ishin Ru, um, there were very few places to go. But. It was such a like a subculture here. I mean, there's such a deep root of martial artists that came from this area. Uh, Well-known ones that came here to train as well. And I mean, we always knew it was a rich boxing. You, yes. you hear you and you meet those guys like the slatteries, the guys that are related. And a, lot, a couple of them are still training people, sure. too. And but you never really hear the Taekwondo and the karate uh, and MMA. I mean, you were a trainer in the first MMA. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. MMA won. Yeah, how does that happen? Uh, how did How did that happen? Well, um, we we were just received a call from promoters that we know. I mean, we already were in the Atlantic City and uh, the Vegas connection, but most of our fights were out of Atlantic City, and um, so the promoters that were putting this together uh, identified, you know, one of the guys that was from our gym, a well-known guy from the area, Kevin Rogier. You know, Kevin, uh, you know, a veteran. Hey, thanks for all our veterans out there. You know, yeah, it was Veterans Day today. Oh, he was a veteran. Thanks for your service. Yes, and. Oh. Uh, uh, and, um, you know, he had martial arts background, kickboxing background, boxing background, you know, a very eclectic style and approach to it and just a beast all the way around. But you had to be a world champion and a fighting art uh, because back then, uh, you know, the, the, they used to say the, the, the rules are there are no rules. Yeah. That used to actually be printed on the back of everything. I remember you know? that. So um, th- what they wanted to do is really answer that question and guys from different sports against each other to find out who would be on top and uh you know kevin our gym everything was identified as uh one of those uh, uh one of those individuals and uh and so began the training and the journey uh that became uh, ufc which 
back then was under uh, Semaphore Entertainment Group and WW Promotions uh, with Art yeah. Davey. So, yeah. What it, was the mentality of him, like, going into it? Was he like, I'm going to destroy everybody? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? One of the funniest things is we used to do, like, you know, you you break bricks, cinder blocks, boards, stuff like that, which we all did. Uh, and the one day I was doing a show myself. It was a, 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 a kid's anti-drug show type of thing. Yeah. And, um uh, I, I had all these cinder blocks in the back, you know, these, you know, the, the flat, you know, one inch ones. And, and, uh, I said, Hey, Kevin, you know, it'd be great if we got a good shot of you, uh, breaking some of these cinder blocks. He says, sure. He goes, how many do you got? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I told him and he's like, he's like, yeah, okay. Just stack them up. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You know, and you knew that that's the mentality. So you had to be a world that. champion. So he was a, he was a world champion before that to be invited into it. So it's not like we solicited. I mean, it was like the old, you know, you, you see the films in the ancient times where you get like the scroll. Well, we didn't have any like person come to the door with an ancient scroll, yeah. you know, with a, with a wax seal on it. Uh, but we, we, we got a call and you know, uh, it was, you know, landline phones back then. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, listen, uh, you know what, we're, we're set, we're occurring something to you. And, uh, we got this, uh, this outline of a contract and, uh, but we didn't know what the surface was, you know, you didn't know who you were going to fight and you just saw in the rule section, uh, and there was like a gentleman's rule. So there were a few, you know, but there was no, uh, it was a thing of, uh, it said there are no rules, but you know, you know, knock the gouge, the eyes or bite. Or I go saw to the some groin. things about like, if you were going to kick, you couldn't wear shoes. But if you, so some guys, there was like rule changes. And then you look at Gracie, didn't he have the, he had like the karate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He was, he was wearing a gi, a heavy yeah. gi and stuff. And you know what? Uh, one thing, you know, with fighting, it's, uh, it comes down to, um, people have that distance zone that they want to be in. They feel the safe part is away from the person. Uh, we try to close the distance. You know, I want to be in, uh, you know, sometimes fighting inside, you better have an out game. You mm -hmm. know, being inside can be dangerous. But in this case, they he knew that people would grab him, and you know where their hands are at that point. Uh, so you go with that. How far, <laughs> how far into, the, into your career does this happen? I had just won the WKA world title. So uh, I won that title in uh, 92. So this happened in uh, late 92, uh, early 93. And we were in uh, Denver, Colorado on November 13th, uh, 1993. Wow. So how, that's crazy. That's all. And, and how many championships were at your gym? Like Kevin was a champion. You right, right. Uh, well, we had a few. Some guys had uh, some U.S. titles. Uh, the, you know, other guys came there after they won or when they were on their way to winning titles. Uh, but uh, let's see. I mean, you know, um, I'm going to say conservatively, there's probably five of us, wow. you know, including Marty Kakavis, who's uh, who's another Hall of Famer. And he's from this area. And at one time, we had more people represented in the UFC from this area than any other place on the globe. Really? Yeah, that yeah. was they. This area had rich roots in UFC. Oh yes, a lot of yes. people don't understand that. They don't understand, and not all of them train together. I mean, it was just where people train because you came here to train. You have great sparring uh, and people up in well, let's just face it, Ontario, Southern Ontario, and it is a number one market for the UFC for pay per view and home buys. But they were a rich history with martial arts. Uh, you know, Marty and Mick McNamara, we used to train. I used to live in their basement of their gym up in Canada in Toronto. So, yeah. twin The twin brothers, the original first twin dragons. So Yep. Yeah. Now, those early fights, you see, like, really big guys versus, like, the scrawny guys. It was, like, almost like best of the best, too. Yeah. See, Two. When, when did best of the best come out? Because I feel like that was, like, I felt like eighty nine, huge. Yeah, that, I mean, like, that, that, that's, that's, that's an unbelievable. That made karate. That like, came so out in eighty nine because it was based after uh, you know the the Seoul Korea uh, and and nineteen eighty eight the uh, the Olympics held there. Oh, it's based off. Of Ta Taekwondo was still a growing sport, but still since nineteen seventy two at that point it had still been a demonstration sport. It wasn't an actual Olympic sport. It didn't happen until Sydney in two thousand. So, I mean, it and took that crazy. long. Yeah. And now it's one of the most represented sports in the Olympics, but doesn't get the airtime, you know. And, and I don't mean just Taekwondo. I mean, karate now has been introduced. It is it's its own thing. Well, it's now just Cobra in this past Kai, month. Now it's what all the kids yeah, want. Yeah, I mean, now it's big. <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, I even think one day you might see MMA in the Olympics. You used to earn a judo 
badge in the Boy Scouts back in the 50s. You could, you know, as one of the patches. It's like, sign me up for that instead of pottery class. Throw some kids around. <laughs> Basket weaving, I guess. How, how proud are you to see from being involved in how many? One through five, maybe? UFC seven. One through seven. Yeah. To see it evolve now. I mean, it's got to, it's got to, you got your mark on it when it was really young. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and, uh, you know, helping get it in New York State to that and as, as well as Michigan. Uh, and uh, there were a couple other states, uh, you know, Mississippi, everything else that I had a hand in because it was our old tough man stopping grounds. So we had dealt with the legislators in all these states, you know, prior to this. And at the time, it's not that it was illegal in a lot of those states. They just did not have athletic commissions or it was unregulated because of the type of sport through their athletic commissions. Now, pretty much everybody across the board has it. Well, they, New York was that big it. opening. But when it became illegal in New York State under Governor Pataki, you know, and Hugo Spindola was the AG at the time. I mean, I, re I remember being in Albany in the court and, uh, um, you know, looking, I, you know, one of the real first states of that. It happened with a tough man, but we brought that over. Uh, for combative sports as general just to get an extension on some of our shows and uh, I remember the judge sitting there and uh, you know our, my old manager Art Doerr looking at him and saying well you know Mr. Doerr what are we what are you going to do if we rule against you then he goes just looked up from the table right and he goes I guess I'm going to have to find another judge. <laughs> wow. Those original tough mans. We ended up in Troy New York by the way we won the appellate court yeah, decision yeah. there. So. And, and they where, there was a big one here, the, the tough man, because I remember a couple of my buddies. We used to do them at the, the armory. Balls. We did them at the armory, the armory. and uh, I did one. I did one uh, at the uh, at Melody Fair, you know, in the round, uh, in the round. And I realized, damn, I should have been paying attention to math of how to fit this square peg on a round hole, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, so pie came into play on that one. <laughs> it, it, when was your last competitive match? Last one was in 99. 99. And then I came out of retirement twice for uh, two charity things. And uh, one of them uh, actually was 2013. I went to Ohio. My old teammate, who uh, was now the coach for one of the U.S. national teams, had asked me uh, if I could train with the team uh, as he got them ready for their, you know, their different international Olympic birth spots so they can have their, their qualifications. Um, well, after a very successful, you know, run with those guys uh, and a couple injuries, uh, he asked me to join the team and jump in with them. So my last competition was in Columbus, Ohio in 2013. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because there were injuries and they want they wanted the they, they, they they wanted to save their spot f uh for the uh you know to make sure that they still had the qualifiers in place and uh i ended up uh our team overall won and um i ended up fighting i think five times and in, uh, in the open matches over the course of four days what was the age gap well, that's what I was going to get to. <laughs> <laughs> so I, most of the guys I was competing against were 22 to like 31 years of age. And uh, I knocked out two of them. And um, while everybody was going and, you know, our normal thing, everybody gets together, goes to clubs, sometimes gentlemen clubs or whatever else, and everybody's having beers. I was soaking in ice. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in the hotel room going, oh. You talk about pushing for UFC in different states. Talk about your involvement with that because that's when I kind of met you. Because New right. York was fighting. Were you like an ambassador for it? Or? They were. They were fighting really hard. And you know what? I mean, I've seen the assembly members, the Senate members, come and go. And uh, I think they were. Uh, some of them, our local, you know, delegation there, was surprised that how many I knew in downstate and yeah. in other regions of the state uh, that I had relationships outside the fights just for years. So through that uh, came input from both sides, you know, um, fr from Sheldon Silver, you know, asking me at one point, you know, is there any one particular rule that is illegal in any combative sport? And he was trying to apply it to UFC because of UFC's argument at the time it was comprised of all you know, legal competitive martial arts. Right. And at the time, you know, truthfully, I got to say, yes, you know, chokeholds. I mean, it's yeah. not legal in any other, you know, and sporting that's what activity. He's getting at. And that's what he's getting at. But he's looking for that expert answer coming onto it. Um, 
also at the time we were putting the martial arts hall of fame and museum together you know it'd been around since 75 but i was involved with those guys at the time uh into introducing it into new york state so bringing it and with mark schroeder's help too introduced me to the edu education department chair so we had a charter through the new york state department of education and through that i was mostly really trying to identify how to protect the children involved in the sports and the amateur schools. There was no real significant difference between the rule sets and even how it looked, you know, when they competed. You know, there was different safety gear. It was the same rules. I couldn't tell an amateur from the pro fight sometimes. And then, of course, uh, when it came to just basic martial arts, I don't want to say basic, but different styles of martial arts schools, they're, they're not registered businesses, unlike youth hockey and baseball and yeah. football, where all the coaches are vetted against, uh, uh, you know, background checks and crimes against children. Nothing for martial arts. It was a free-for-all. Then we started identifying parents from Megan's Law, John Walsh, talking with them. You know, we started identifying a number of schools that actually had sexual predators owned and operated the schools. So then I kind of made it a mission to go and shut those places down. I would actually physically go there. And I'd show up at their competitions or at their training sessions, and I'd bring a news camera with me, wow. you know, and uh, and I'd have them with me. And Michael Wooten was a big supporter of that here locally. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, thanks, Mike, if you're listening. So, <laughs> I mean, but uh, yeah, we 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 ran some of these guys right out of uh, right out of town and out of business. So we're the you know, and some of them to jail. So. Oh, that's you gotta great. use your tough guys. Yeah, yeah well, you know? when when you need some yeah. muscle, you call the tough guys up. Yeah. <laughs> we, we guys had that Hennepin gym over there working pretty hard. I remember. Uh, oh yeah, what's I forget the trainer's name. You, uh, you're good, buddy. Uh, Jimmy Ralston used yeah. to be over there. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know what? Another thing from this area, uh, Mike Rainey, Tony Peluso, uh, were the coaches at the old O'Kell gym yeah. here on South Park. So you know, I pretty much horse collared me one day, you know, as a kid. And that's where I trained. I learned how to throw hands, you know, and then I went on to Jimmy Ralston and some of the other guys from there. So then by the time I went pro, I mean, I had Murray Sutherland, Sean O'Grady, you know, I had some good pedigree and, uh, and, and, and guys that, uh, you know, Murray's the former IBF super middleweight champion. Sean O'Grady's the former WBA champion. Oh, yeah, so. you're not surrounding yourself with just some guy. No, I, you know what? You know, it's funny, though, <laughs> but I'm in a camp with Butterbean and, you know, Mr. Oh, T and yeah. Rocky Gannon and Cody Cook. What was it, Baby <laughs> Joe? How was it with Baby Joe around? Was, was that a... Was that a highlight of the the time around here or no? Well, you know what? I mean, for the area, yeah. yes, I, I would say so. But uh, uh, very little did he and I cross paths. At that point, yeah. my camp was out of Michigan or Aquasasne, So Yeah. yeah. Baby cool. Joe had dreams of being. And, he, and, he, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a little younger than I am. So Yeah, I just <laughs> didn't know if I didn't know if he had any of these trainers around here. I don't know who he who Oh, he did. Him. Well, th those trainers he had, uh, when I when I mentioned it, like Jimmy Ralston and those guys he had around yeah. here. Mm -hmm. uh, the other gentlemen, uh, the individuals I mentioned were from Oklahoma and the other ones from Canada, but our camp was out of Michigan. Yeah. He had dreams of being the new Dick Sporting Goods. A lot of people don't know that. He wanted to be Macy's. Like if he, I think that last fight cost him a I, lot I think, of money. I think that name was taken. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, messy. I wanted whatever. to have the Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, remember, he had political aspirations a little bit. Yeah. But all he had to do in that last fight, and I don't know, was it in Buffalo? Maybe that was the second last fight. All he had to do was stay away. Well, I, I think where the turning you know point fight came. I'm talking I, about? I do, but the turning point really came at his. Uh, his fight in Vegas against Vasily Jiroff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but that, that's where the problem began. And, and he couldn't, he couldn't stay away. He would have won the fight after the Vegas fight. All right. And it, it really detoured his, uh, his big plans because sure. I think if he wins that fight, he's kind of put up back in that top five because he was up there, and it, it's good to see that. And like, it's good to see these MMA gyms in. Uh, well, McKinley Mall. I mean, all they got is they got a Taekwondo gym and they got an MMA dojo, if that's what you call it. Right, right. So the, the fighting is coming back and it's getting so popular. I went to Mark's and watched the Fury fight. Oh, my God. And fight. I seen the Hagler-Ray fight, yeah. Sugar-Ray fight. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the best fight since then. Because the Tyson fights, were they were over. They were just like, they were shows. How fast is he going to knock him out? Don't get up. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, get up. <laughs> Don't get up. Like Don't I get up from your seat. It's yeah. over. What's what's one I mean you're I mean you're our fight expert always have been. We've always <laughs> turned to you even when we you know we started to get to know you. 
What what's that significant boxing memory you have, and then the going to the MMA? Oh, significant for for uh, to be at or to just in general, like a turning point that brought boxing yeah, back. Yeah, when, when then, you're a fan. Yeah, yeah, when you're a fan. Wow, uh, but that brought boxing back. Well, the one good thing about Tyson Fury is that I mean these guys are big in the ring. They're they're huge. They're monsters. So that why there is no super heavyweight division mm-hmm. or a larger ring, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, um, uh, but you know what? Uh, it it really comes down to the Otero Gotti's. Oh, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Mickey Ward. I mean, those those battles. Those were awesome battles. Um, those were battles. Um, have we seen anything like it? Well, we, we saw, you know, we have had a long entertainment between Mayweather and Pacquiao, you know. So yeah. they've kept it the longer stream of it going entertaining-wise. So for me, I mean, that's I mean, the it. Golden Boy, and before he that, fun. you're right. Before that, Hagler, Hearns, everybody else, I mean, yeah. there really wasn't anything there. There was like a – there was the – after Ali, really wasn't – and then Sugar Ray came in, right. Hagler, Hearns, and then Tyson – and then it was like a drop off. But then you had those guys. The I mean, Pacquiao, Pacquiao, unreal. Came in. What he did. I, I think an underrated one, and one of the best ones I had with. I was with Johnny Knoxville, and we're on Butterbean side, and he fought Larry Holmes. So then you had all the Hall of Famer guys, Ernie Shavers, everybody else, Jerry yeah. Cooney, all on the other side of the ring. Yeah. And and Fred Williams or Fred Berry was with us too. Rerun from What's Happening. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> we were in Norfolk, Virginia for that fight. So what happened? I don't I don't remember this. And it and it got so underplayed. But Butterbean was, versus Larry Holmes. Yeah, it was it was Bean. Trying to prove that he could go the distance. Now, Holmes, we could debate the decade of age that he put down that he was at that point. But, I mean, uh, it went it went the distance of the full uh, 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 10 rounds. And, and, being, 10 and being dropped him in nine. But he showed he had the gas in the tank and he could last against somebody. Wow. And it, somebody that, that height later. and that reach. And he was the king of the three-round fights? Was the three <laughs> king round? of the four-rounders. Four-rounders. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'll tell you something else that came on my feed recently. We are just talking about fighting is when Ali steps in the ring, when Tyson's fighting Holmes, and he and Ali whispers to Tyson, we find this out later, get him back for me. <laughs> because Tyson was really mad at what he did oh, yeah. to Ali in the last fight. Holmes didn't even want to hit yeah, him. He's anymore. never been shy about that. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and, boy, did he get him back. <laughs> But yeah, and we get back and, and when he's talking about New York State, you know, the, those turning points of, uh, of MMA and going through the different ownerships, you know, and the different rules and what they turned it and doing their, their movement over to Spike TV and saving their ratings. Yeah. You know, because they were millions in the hole at that point, um, you know, really saving them with the reality television and stuff and bring it around. Then I then I started thinking they started bleeding it way too much. That really my, did save but, them. But our battle was still going on here. Right. Our battle was still going on here just to try to get it legalized. And for me, it was trying to protect the amateurs and the children because I already saw, okay, they're going to have it. But what can we do to make sure that like with any sport that there is a separation that it does? So I stayed in front of it until the ink was on the paper. So, you know, I really did. uh, Yeah. 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 So I I have the pen from the governor and the parchment. (laughs) Excellent. But yeah, getting back to like this UFC one, you were listed as a trainer. Did you have to like spar? Were you like getting in there to like show different techniques? Like is what were you, what were you hired for? Yeah. Well, yeah. And depending on the size of the person, I mean, for me to get in there and train with them, because I was an alternate at one point myself for it. But the real marketing was with the other guys because I was still with my sport and I was still doing everything uh, on my side. So that crossover, it wasn't there with the not no weight classes it just wasn't the right moment for me to get into that Mm -hmm. so yeah it was a lot of uh knowing who to get involved who to cross train with who to help this fighter prepare for the other fighter in a similar style Mm -hmm. and that is the one advantage to some of these guys who were single sport fighters back then and me having that diversity and and then and and being uh um have accessibility to the other training camps to start bringing the guys together so they could complement each other and train with each other, mm-hmm. you know, bring themselves along. Um, to match somebody with Kevin or Harold Howard, guys that are 6'4", 
You know, yeah. one's six five, the other six four, and they both weigh excess of two hundred and forty pounds. That's a tough match. Yeah, <laughs> right? but he went in there and won. He won a fight, right? Both of them did. Yeah. Okay. So Harold Harold actually in UFC three would have won had the rules had had they adhered to the rules. Rules. He ended up suing, and they settled out for a non disclosed amount. But uh, uh, Steve Jenham came in cold. He was supposed to fight Gracie and Shamrock. And it right. came right down at the end that they both claimed injury and couldn't continue. And they wanted to claim injury. Harold was hit on the head from a light that fell off a camera coming oh. out of the tunnel. Oh, yeah. And he went in the back and he had nine stitches put in his wow. head. And he still got out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You forget about it. I mean, you forget about that, but he crazy. would have been UFC champ then. But they Is couldn't. there a regulation on how long between fights they have to have, though? Well, they can't fight the multiple fight elimination right. now. So right. it's just the one fight. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that doesn't like happen. 90 days no. or something. Ba- back then, it was the rotation. But in UFC, he won, Rosie, he, won, he won one of the fights, right? He won and his first fight. And then he went fight. to the second fight. Yes. And who did he fight? He, he, fought? he fought Zane Frazier first. And okay. he took out Zane. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. And, that, and then it was uh, Gerard Gardou from the Netherlands, like, the Savat fighter who took him out afterwards. He was a kickboxer? He's a French kickboxer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man. Yeah, but those, like the, the way that like is that like the bridging the gap between like you ha- have like a film career as well? Is that like did Gracie do that when he like just started making all of his films and like were you guys ever involved in making like the martial art films and getting like, into that like stuff? Like the training videos yeah. or yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, he made a fortune, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, well, they they were marketing. I, I, I you know, personally, you look back in those early days. Uh, the, the ring was designed by John Milius from, you know, the set designer for Conan the Barbarian and Apocalypse Now. Um, at the time, uh, Ed O'Neill, you know, from Married with Children, right? Uh, you know, John, all these guys, they were students of the Gracies. You know, they were they were all really? there. Yes. And, and his brother was the promoter behind the UFC. So everybody was looking for assurances that there wasn't an advantage to, to Hoyce saying, does he know the surface? Because at the time, we didn't know what the surface was going to be. Does he know the dimensions? You know, is this really geared towards him winning? And the Gracie's really just saying, hey, we're the best, right? Yeah. It's a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. And, and the Gracie's are just great technique with what they had planned and how they wanted to do this. Yeah. And if you didn't think they had been testing it out for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you on, know? it's videotaped. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk about your film career. You get into the films, which is fascinating to me. Where does it start with A.J. Burrell? <laughs> uh, well, I, you know what? I mean, the exposure with film, I mean, happened, uh, you know, just in, in different segments um, where films just were brought to the area, you know, when we were kids, you know, like the natural and everything else, you know, being part of the crowd scene and everything. Yeah. So never thinking of bridging the two, but, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, dabbled, I had the theater background and everything. And, uh, um, it came down to just opportunity, you know, I mean, happened to be in an area that they were looking for, um, you know, certain people for fight sequences these were with Billy Blank's films, guys I knew from the martial art industry. And I thought, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. All right. So, and I was training another uh, local person from this area who was actually a feature player in the one movie that was being shot in Canada. So I did a lot of the choreography and uh, direction. We did a thing with Mike Randall and I doubled him for a few things. And I thought, you know what, this might be interesting. I, you know, if I play around with it for a bit, but never really took it seriously. And then, um, then another movie came about in uh, 95, so those were like 91, 92, and 93 year. You know, but I was still focused with the fights. And um, then I had an opportunity to stunt coordinate. I had already been doing stunt school. And I thought, okay, I'll get into this and learn more behind the camera, learn how this is done. Uh, that was my, where my real focus was. I had an offer to do uh, more of a leading role in it, and uh, um, I turned it down just to do producing, stunt coordinating, and uh, the choreography and everything. So. And I really just dabbled in a couple of things since they're never really taken it seriously. And then the union aspect got in is I'm, I'm, uh, I'm delivering tickets to a fight to Charles Dutton uh, on behalf of Sugar Ray Leonard. So I'm, I'm taking it to him and uh, I stopped by a movie set and it was a Meg Ryan movie. And um, 
Tony Shalhoub, the guy from Monk, and I'm sitting there talking to Tim Daly, his former co-star from the TV show Wings. It's me, him, and uh, Omar Epps talking, and we, we get over there, and um, Tony comes over, and he's he's just irate. He's on about something. They're behind in production and shooting, and he looks at me, he goes, is this the guy? And he says, no, and he says, well, you know, they had a little side talk. Where is, where is he? And he looks, and he, and he asks Tim Daly, he goes, well, can he act, Right. And and Tim goes, well, he's done these films. He goes, I didn't ask that. He goes, can he act? He goes, he's about the same size. Get him into wardrobe and let's get this shot. Wow. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. And then I, then I ended up spending like the, the rest of the week and a half with Tony Shalhoub and that as part of his crew for this film. So it's awesome. <laughs> And then that just rolled out. And then I uh, called up my agent and I said, hey, look, it, we're going to diversify here. <laughs> yeah. We gotta, yeah. yeah. Start getting me some other I like work. hanging out with these cool dudes. <laughs> I like hanging out with the bros, yeah. eating craft services. <laughs> That's it. I got union card in hand now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're always fascinated with that. How, how does that, how do you get into that union? Are you SAG? You got SAG? Yeah. SAG after equity, uh, you know, so, yeah. And then, so, all right. Well, let's get down to the nitty gritty here, Jim. So you've been on a couple movie sets. You see how the movie set game works. What's up with this bullet getting into this gun? Is that just like yeah, out of this world? You're the guy to ask, is I guess. Is this out of this world? Yeah, you know what? Is it a, a one in like five trillion chance or whatever? I don't know what the odds are, something like that occurring. Uh, there is definitely some safety uh, you know, protocols that weren't followed. Like whether or not they're procedures known to those individuals. Wouldn't you just do it? Here's the other thing. As you guys are also aware that I am also a licensed rifle, pistol, and tactical instructor. All right? Yes. One of the things that you would be taught, anybody, and one thing I do, and let's just take it from that premise, you know, from a safety aspect on a set, anybody, look at it as lockout, tagout. Anybody who's ever dealt in industry around hazardous energy, Mm. right? If there's any way for energy to be released from any object, I don't care if it's steam, I don't care if it's 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 fire, if it's pneumatic, if it, whatever it may be, or you know something from a you know a gun, right? Um, you clear it, all right. You make sure that it's incapable of releasing that residual energy, if it's residual or it's stored energy, whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm. Or powered energy, if it's there. In this case, what caused this? And we. You know, what was missed? So I look at it as if the three of us are on a set and we have different functions, if I am the armorer or the stunt coordinator on the set and if I'm the individual in charge of that, I am the authorized individual, right? You are authorized if you're going to be authorized as talent that I'm handling to you, then guess what? You're getting trained by me and certified to know what it is you're handling. And you may have been through it five, six, seven times. I don't care. It's an annual training. Yeah. But whether I'm handling a Glock or I'm handling a, a, a Colt 45 Peacemaker from the 1800s, two different tools, all right? And you're going to be trained and taught on it and certified on it. If you're the, if you're a, a rigger or a gaffer or something, and work in electrical, and you're going to be around it, you're an affected individual by this, right? Uh, if you're the other talent, you, you could be affected as well. If you're just set crew standing around and you're in the wings and you're out of the line, you, you have to be made aware. So right. you have your authorized, you're affected, and you're aware. That clearly didn't happen here, all right? And there's no indication so far that we've heard, and the people that I know that are have worked on the set, I happen to know some people Yeah, because they film. worked on that the film here. I worked with them here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you were on that? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, and, and the individual who's uh, suing Alec Baldwin right now, I know well, and I was just chatting with him not too long ago. Wow, wow. So, um, so let's just take what a bullet is, what we know to be a bullet, right? Mm-hmm. That component of that bullet is the picture in our, in our mind's eye, if we have it here, it's that casing. On the back of that casing is a primer, right? It's either going to be bubbled out or it's going to be depressed in. If it's depressed in, guess what? There's no primer in there, but it should still be checked, and it should be marked a different color, right? Mm-hmm. You have a shell casing, right? Inside that shell casing, you have powder, right? And then you have a projectile on the end of it, all right? So if you have a primer, you have the shell casing, you have the, the powder, and you have a projectile, you got the makings a of bullet. a bullet here, all right? So when that hammer comes down on that, it's going to ignite it, and it's going to shoot that projectile out with the gases and everything that are caused from that explosion that happens in mm-hmm. the tube, right? 
boom, gone. I got a blank, all right? The blank has these components, but it has less powder. It might have quarter load, could have half load for a flash effect. But the top of it is going to look vastly different. It's going to be pinched or flat. It's going to be a cotton wad into the depression, or it's going to be flat wax, right? Clear distinction. I can sit there and look at the two calibers, put them side by side, but I'm still going to test them. I'm going to make sure I'm going to want to know what I have, mm. right? Let's consider those hot and put those aside, right? And then you have a dummy round. That dummy round is going to look like the first bullet we just discussed, except it might have a pellet in there so I can rattle it and just hear it, and it's going to have a depressed, already, already blown primer, right? That so is already hollow. clearly marked, and it's hollow, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing in it. That's used for close-ups. We go back to 1993 with Brandon, right? Brandon Lee's... Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah, the crawl. Problem, yeah, with Michael Massey, which, again, I was had some involvement with that, too, and was one of the first intros into all this. Mike Dacascus, the, the Mark Dacascus, the Iron Chef, you know, stuff yeah, like yeah. that, too. Called down to double for Brandon after this at Caralco Studios. So oh, okay, they had married a sa safety problems in, uh, over a period of years, and that's why they shut down primarily, mm -hmm. right? So now you have... Now I have this dummy round and I'm doing a close-up. What happened is the chain of command or the chain of custody of the handling of that firearm was breached, all right? And somebody non-authorized wanted to do a pickup shot and close-up, and they got control of that firearm, and they removed the dummy, right, and took them out, put them aside. What they didn't realize is that the dummy head came off and lodged itself in the barrel, right? And they put in a blank behind it because they were just going for the effect. And that blank shot projected the shot the projectile acted just as a bullet would. Right. Uh. So there's what you have there. In this case, we don't know. We do know that all of that was sent off to the FBI. Forensics are being done. Can I sit there and tell what batch this came from? I'm sure they're going to. Right. Yeah. And when they say you had 500, 5,000, whatever it is, they said rounds or live rounds. Let, let's put that in perspective. It's probably blanks, all right? Yeah. And we still don't know if what actually killed Ms. Hutchins, right, was what we would traditionally think of as a bullet. Right. Could there have been another foreign Piece object? They said they pulled something out of Joel's shoulder, and that may be a projectile. But are we looking at another Brandon Lee situation? Are we looking at, did somehow Just a live round get in. crossed in there? But... Even if that happened, if I have box of rounds and I'm lining up for a shot and I have talent that's assigned to that particular firearm, that's locked. Nobody gets that. Right. Nobody has access to that live ammo rounds. container that goes into that blanks, dummy rounds, whatever, will have that talent's name on it. It's sealed. It's taped. It's signed off Checked. by a couple people. Right. You know, and that's set aside. And when it's open, it's rechecked down the line before it goes in. Only one person handles it handing it to talent and hand Tamla gets off there. Wow. Why was somebody in the line of fire? Yeah. Right. You shouldn't have been even with a prop. It shouldn't be there now for artistic direction and being a cinematographer and a director. I can see them right behind each other looking through, trying to get that shot and the lighting of what they want. Okay. And he just pops up at no time. Should he have actually had the firearm that he was going to use for the actual scene in his hand? They should have handed him a, dummy gun right might have the same look and feel but it might have a solid barrel to it right but that is for the aesthetic effect of just being able to get the motion he right. shouldn't have had the one that he was going to use for fire because during the live scene they would have had a ballistic shield or some type of plexiglass oh, with yeah. a lens okay. punched out and they would not have been in the direct line of where he was pointing so there were a lot so of there's a lot of things so I doubt they're going to be able to prove anything criminally, my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But with anything, you're going to have OSHA, the studios, everybody else, you know, um, from my profession, what I do and you know, the other side, you know, I've investigated fatalities and work sites. We're dealing with a workplace incident, OSHA, everybody else, the internal investigation Shit runs downhill. Now it's just more on you guys. More. Then you got to say negligent. Is yeah. there going to be somebody that could be negligent for it? It's, I don't know. We're going to look at training records. You're going to have to look and see how their process was in place. And if by the law they have there in New Mexico, they meet mm -hmm. some definition that they should have met that they didn't, 
that could lead to negligence. Otherwise, you're just looking at the civil aspect and a wrong, and not a wrong, but a, uh, a workplace accident incident. Yeah. Yeah, it's that definitely in a civil. fatality. Yeah, there's a lot of there's gonna be which a lot becomes, of by the money. way, we know it as workers' comp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it just seems like they cut corners a little bit. You know what? You get rushed on a set. There's a couple things that should not be compromised, and everybody complains and they make statements about, you know, there were so many uh, misfires on set or that uh, they were shooting off live rounds. I don't know. You're in Mex uh, New Mexico on a farm in a field. Maybe there is a firing range nearby. Yeah. That they were at. Doesn't say that that gun was used in it. Doesn't say that those bullets were there. It should never have been allowed near set. And that it should be a closed set and it should have yeah. made it back there. But when everybody says that these calls were made and they're saying that nothing came through and there's no complaint, well, it's because, look, at on the, on the back of every union card, and I know your listeners can't see this, <laughs> but there's a 24-hour safety hotline and only three rules to follow. One of them safety. All right? Yeah. Nobody made that call. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah, that it, it, it's a strange story, and you know, of all people to be involved in it, that Alec Baldwin was fucking nuts. There go the conspiracy theories. Exactly, yeah. we were talking about it earlier. <laughs> like, what's her next movie? There's been rumors that it was about Hollywood pedophilia. <laughs> that very may well be true. Yeah, no. and and what a quinky dink. Here we go again. You know, right. and now and now he's sputing off. There should be police officers on set. Why? Most of, there's a many police officers only can carry on the job. They're not licensed instructors. They're certified yeah, instructors. Right. And guess what? If they're active police, let them do their job and, and be police officers and give them all the support they need, right? We need qualified instructors. And in this case, until you have a national standard, and I know he doesn't want to hear it, meaning Alec Baldwin, the NRA right now is really the only one that does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so now, it works. now it's something that you were an advocate for uh, in your, in your uh, political career Um now we're getting a film studio down on the water that yeah, you talks wanted to of do. another one. Yeah. yeah. Like the, how, how cool is that for Buffalo? And is there an opening for people to start businesses like you're saying? Yeah. Well, you know what? Don't think I didn't think of it, but <laughs> <laughs> certainly, you know, when you look at uh, set security or an instruction and I think it should fall under the stunt department, props should not have handling of over guns. It just gives the wrong impression. Stunts safety is their job. Right. So I think it falls under there because they're the 24 hour access hotline. They're the people doing it. Um, I think you can train enough qualified people, you know, that can become the instructors and they need to be audits, audits, you know, just like they mandate the sexual harassment on the film sets in any other workplace. Right. They should be just as vigilant about making sure that safety is adhered to. And I'm not just talking guns. They use JLJ lifts, you know, cranes, hoists, everything. All that stuff should be inspected. And the crews around it, those that are authorized, affected, or aware, mm -hmm. uh, made, should be made aware, should have that training. Yeah. You know? Other than the natural, what's the best movie made in Buffalo? Because a lot of them, I don't want to say are tough to watch, but they're just not what you're expecting. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I've seen almost all of them. And what did I? Superman? <laughs> Superman 2 Yeah Were we in Superman 2 in Buffalo? Niagara Falls. Falls Oh yeah that's right Canadian side Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one about the judge Marshall. I, I love seeing everything in it But it just wasn't a good movie to me and it, it didn't do too well they, it, they wanted it to do well But I don't think it did as Cabrini's well Cabrini's the biggest movie right? That we've had I don't know as far as budget or talent, but I would say definitely ensemble and crew-wise, yeah. the biggest that I know of outside the natural that was done. So yeah, yeah, that's supposed to be big. Yeah, they're gonna. Be, is that out yet? How how that's taken, where it goes, what's it, where it's carried, how the studio's yeah, what, put behind it. I don't know. Does it go right to? Well, that Guillermo yeah. del Toro one too. Well, Nightmare Alley yeah. gonna be big. And that comes out uh, December, November, somewhere yeah. around there. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, that was good working on that. Cold, but good. Yeah. What's that? It was. It was good working on that. Cold, it was but cold. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't. I forgot Bradley Cooper, right? Bradley Cooper and Guillermo, man, they're good guys. Any uh, any involvement in the what is it? The the quiet, quiet the place. Quiet place too. And again, haven't seen that. Uh, you know what worked on? I it. haven't seen worked it yet either. You worked, worked on, on it, it for days. Have no idea. No. Uh, you know what? I, I 
two other movies I want to see. You know, I hate to say it, but if you see, I mean, I go to. Hey, listen, just go to my IMDb, look up some of the movies I've been in. Uh, even if you're just going grocery shopping, just like you know, hit hit one of the uh, the movies and watch it or watch it with your family. <laughs> I just want my residual check, so keep them coming in. <laughs> yeah, cause I don't know what 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 form of Spider-Man were you in? Because Spider- the Amazing Spider-Man two. So, so yeah. So it, that's the last. That's the last. Actor. That was Andrew Garfield. Okay. Yeah, that was Andrew Garfield, and uh, who's supposed to be coming in, and this whole new. Uh, was it No Way Home? So all oh, of yeah. them are supposed to converge. But um, and there we shot off a ton of rounds with semi-automatic weapons. Yeah, the I was entire ask you opening that. scene was supposed to be New York City. We were we had an opportunity to shoot it in Buffalo. And I'm not going to say how that got you know um, you know taken away from us, but uh, it ended up shooting in Rochester, and we made. That entire area look, uh, and they CGI'd and did a bunch of stuff to make it look like, you know, uh, Broadway and mm-hmm. everything else uh, from from up the midtown down, and um, we shot up everything, flipped cars, blew stuff up. I mean, we had sixty crash cars. You know, I mean, it was it was uh, probably wow. the biggest budget stunt film that we used actual things on and didn't like cheat and fake around stuff. I mean, it was, we had more stuntmen and, and guys that I grew up like watching. And we're talking guys that go back to the 60s, 70s, all the, the helicopter pilots from like Airwolf to the guys from, uh, you know, the fall guy, you know, the A-team. I mean, all these guys, we had um, the stunt coordinators uh, on the set, you know, from uh, the Paternis to Andy Armstrong to uh, uh, um, Vic Armstrong. Um, uh, I mean, there there is just uh, uh, the 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 heritage, the lineage, and the dynasty families of the stunt coordinators were out there, um, uh, and it was a treat to work with them and learn from these guys. It was is, great. Is there a documentary about stuntmen? I mean, I feel like there's a documentary about every line of work or anything. I'd love to see one like that. Because you don't get to know these guys that like you're talking about, these guys that work individually. Behind I mean, it's great. I mean, one of my favorite movies growing up was Hooper. So I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah. And 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 Burt Reynolds, he used a lot of stunt guys because he came from the stunt background. Right. That's what he did. Who so were, weren't there like the there crazy guys that were in the uh, Ninja Turtle movie? Right? Weren't they like big time? Yeah, we went for Ninja Turtles. Forgot about that one. Uh, you know, from from the the one years ago, my my uh, friend of mine, Ernie Reyes Jr. and stuff was in that, and then the new guys now, uh, in the thirty three when we did all that, or the Skajakwita, you know, yeah. we had a uh, uh, ton of good stunts. There were good motorcycle riders there. The Roberts family, that those are the guys like Jimmy Roberts and these guys that run the motorcycle stunt schools, and you know, um, uh, we had. Uh, a lot of these guys I met when I was doing the Denzel Washington film, Unstoppable. So, and uh, we were was done. That done Actually, that was that was eleven years ago. Today, we did a huge explosion scene and had the rap party. So, yeah, <laughs> wow. that's a good film. Yeah, yeah. Anything with him. It was good catering in that the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Would it go through Olean or something? The train. Was yeah. it something weird like yeah, that? Yeah, we, we had it way down there. Cameron County was in Pennsylvania, but it was like the Olean area. Yeah, I yeah think that, that's, that's where it is. I think it's it in the movie. Shot though. over like, to Ohio, go, so our entire crew just shot shot west, and we headed into Ohio for that yeah, Youngstown way. You're going to start to see a lot of MMA movies coming out, too, I think. Haley Berry did one a couple of years ago. I got called for that. She was filming it in Jersey. That's why she was in the ring the other night. That's why she was in the ring. Yeah, yeah. it's coming out. Oh, it's still coming? Oh, wait, and then... And Louis then the, was in a boxing movie. We did to catch yeah. the fair one. I think it's retitled, and uh, we did that uh, a couple of years ago here as well. And uh, Native American boxer, mixed martial artist. Actually, that it might be the one with Halle Berry. I'm not sure what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She put the belt on him. Her belt on the, the girl the other night, Rose. Yeah, I watched that fight. It's it's amazing how those shoot segments of films, and sometimes they just run in together, or you forget you did them. <laughs> you know. Did you work on and I get a check and go, and sometimes you get the check and you look at it and you go, what the hell is this, right? Because the working title changes from the production release yeah. title. <laughs> Did you work on Colebrook? On Colebrook? No. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, the Louis production. No, yeah. but I, I did meet up uh, with uh, the, the talent from that film, you know, because uh, they're working on another project right now. Yeah, we're trying to get yeah. Bill Fickner. Yeah. 
to meet. I'll, I'll meet him at a dark corner in Mother's. That's where he likes to go on a patio, <laughs> the dark, like behind the vines. Yeah, they're 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 working on something that has to do with uh, the old Mickey Rats area and the crew out there yeah, and everything else right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They should have made that Slattery movie. Oh, don't you think? No, you know what? Yeah, you you'll see it one day. Your, sure. That stuff is gonna get so hot. Like the, if you remember when you know, Ali you talk came Cinderella out. Man, they talk about slattery. You know right. what I mean? All those movies came out. Boom, boom, boom. Ali with, and then uh, Cinderella Man, and then uh, the girl was fighting. You know, I don't. What's that? What's that one called? Where she she goes paralyzed or whatever. Oh, oh million, million dollar, dollar baby. baby. <laughs> yeah. Those all started coming out. I, I think mean, you're Cobra gonna see Kai it again. Is really bringing back the karate movie. Oh, yeah. That's got to make you feel good. Cause it, it does. It I have friends who work on it, and I was talking <laughs> to another guy. His daughter's going to be on it, and I'm thinking, you know, and it comes to availability. If I find the shooting and I can, I want to, and I, and it, there's very few projects I'm like, i got to be involved in that. And sometimes I just wait for it to come it along. Like and I've turned guy. down a lot over the last few years just because of other business. Sure. And But now my grandson is like, he's all about it, and I'm, I've been training him for the last few years. And I'm like, okay, now it's cool, and he's old enough to appreciate it. I got to get us both on or something. Somehow. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of uh, I was a lot like Ralph Macchio when I was a kid, but I didn't know karate. He likes Hawk. He's doing all of his moves, Hawk's moves. Yeah. He's doing the twist. And all you have to do is come up with like a signature move that you're like, I could film this. You could use it in your show. Yeah, yeah. Because they're always looking for some good, crazy kick. Good to see those guys back at work. I mean, there was such a the third one. Eh. The first two were good, and then I, I don't know. They made like, you know. The one fourth with, one, let's face it, was uh, the star from Million Dollar Baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she and was then, the next karate kid. The next. And then wasn't Little uh, little Bow Wow? No, it was uh, Jaden Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jaden yeah, Smith yeah, yeah. was No, one. I didn't like that. Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan well, you know, what did he do? But, well, he Jack- made bank because he knew what it was going to do overseas in, uh, in Japan. Yeah, there, so. that's what oh, a, yeah, lot, a lot of people real. don't realize with movies. Like you, you they see, don't realize he's really the biggest action star in the world. Who is that? <laughs> Jackie Chan. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, just How for popu- just for populace because of yeah. the countries. Yeah. I mean, think about just those rush hour movies. <laughs> those were good. Like they're great. I could sit around and watch them all day. The outtakes were great. Yeah, yeah. You you look at now how all the com I'll just say combat sport because that's where you look at it. I combine everything. I mean, man, you need you know karate and etc. It's got, like I said before, it's got to make you proud that people are into this and really into it. Who do you like now? I'll tell you who I hate is this Patty the Batty. You see this guy yet? No. But it's almost like MMA stars have now taken the old Vince McMahon to sell fights again, and I love seeing that. How much does selling the fight matter nowadays? <laughs> Well, it's everything. Yeah. I mean, to the promoter and the producer and stuff, putting it out there. And, you know, with uh, with everybody's social media accounts, it's who becomes an influencer. Yeah. Right. It okay, doesn't yeah. matter. Who do you fight? Jake Paul. All right. Let's well, just yeah, throw yeah, it yeah. out yeah. there. All right. We watched. We but watched now he's him. now he's got Adam Weitzman backing him. Yeah. Adam Weitzman is the, the they call him pretty much. He's a screen king of scrap. Right. But he has the largest East Coast privately owned scrap business on the East Coast. Right. And uh, he's also diversified. Now he's starting a Bitcoin mining thing and he's got uh, he's got restaurants that 100 percent, 100 percent of the proceeds all go to charity. You know, I mean, the guy's doing great for his community. He's uh, a Wego skinny Atlas area. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and he's from that area and he puts everything back into that area. So and uh, he um, uh, he gets behind you. I mean, whether you like the person or not, good things can happen for mm-hmm. everybody all around that. Because he's got, I think he's got 10 million followers, wow. <laughs> you know, and he and he's got an agency for all this other, you know, for the for for the being an influencer. So it's like, wow, okay, you need an yeah. endorsement from somebody so we need like the that. rough and rowdy. <laughs> How do we get the rough and rowdy here, AJ? Do you like that? You have you seen that? The, the rough? No, I it, haven't. Barstool Sports has regular guys beating the shit out of each other. It's brilliant. It's almost like the that, old, that's tough, man. That's tough. Man. Could, could they just not <laughs> yeah. do that here because it wouldn't be sanctioned? There wouldn't be. Well, yeah. And that now it really comes down to that, doesn't it? We got to start looking at uh, is it cost effective uh, because of the rules. And there are certain rules that made it uh, not cost effective for smaller promoters in New York State. 
and those are uh, fees that are set in place by the New York State Athletic Commission, and 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 it's hard to get around that, you know. Uh, otherwise, the, otherwise, otherwise the fines can be hefty, and they've linked it to to the beverage control law. So if you're having in a place that's serving too, and you violate any provision, that you could lose your liquor license. Yeah, so I don't think we should be advocates of it. I just <laughs> wanted to know if the it's ring possible. girl, the <laughs> ring is like so low budget that the ring girls can't walk in their heels. <laughs> that used to be us at. And I can say now, you know, I think it's Vizzy's, Vinny's or whatever that's out there on the Clinton Strip. Yeah. If you're from the area, you know where I'm talking yeah. about off yeah. of Harlem there. It used to be Wysocki's, right? We used to have underground fights there <laughs> every Thursday night. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so we'd have ring girls. But the dance floor, we literally had a 14 by 14 makeshift ring, you know, and we would literally just lock the doors after private party. And that's it. Go, it was Fight Club. It was Fight Club. It was Fight Club. Fight so Club much, Fight so much Club. it was getting uh, the reputation that there were a couple visits there years ago. And uh, then we tried to, you know, clean it up a bit and have it more sanctioned. So we moved it over to the uh, Club Impacts at the time. So, <laughs> uh -oh. so the Desiderios brought us in, and it, it was good. And then Hooters became our sponsor. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, what it, what's, the, what's the future here? Is we going to see more fights? Are we going to see. Uh, is there anybody up and coming from the area that's 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 slugging slugging? There, there's small pocket fight stuff going on, but no, no, we're, a lot of the camps have, and the people who are getting invited upstairs to go to the bigger camps are moving out of the area. They're going out west. They're they're in New Mexico or they're uh, they're in Vegas. You know, this is where they've really built and set up shop. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah, we don't see that. I don't know what it would take, and some of that is the restrictions of New York State's laws. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, uh, what's the opportunity? More importantly, sparring partners. The more people gravitate to those areas, the less pool you have of having quality sparring partners in this area. So for training purposes to get to where you need to be, physical-wise and stuff, uh, and mentally, it's a great foundation area, but I, I think we're starting to see a lot of that move out because that's where the, yeah. you, you have to find something that would attract them back here. Um, also, you have, you know, with, doing fights around here like UFC we saw the one right mm -hmm. but we knew then that's what we were going to see because our venue just isn't big enough to hold what we need you, now if the new stadium has a dome we can go you know that wall a, on that one yeah. it's another reason why it should be a dome <laughs> yeah. you don't think the arena is big enough to hold it, a MMA pay-per-view it is not we, really? we, we have done it MMA pay-per-view but now you have to look at what kind of MMA pay-per-view could we do UFC here, it it's just um, they're not going to make the money they need from it, yeah. to put it here. So that's why Toronto is the better It'd option. be at Air Canada, and yeah. And, that, and that's why you have, you know, Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, Bellator. Bellator is still the largest home penetration pay-per-view MMA event globally. So, I mean, um, are you going to see that? No, I mean, they've been dwindling down because UFC has been smart and they've been pulling the talent – and the organizers from Bellator over to them, you know, uh, that's where you're not. You still see an organization controlling the the fighters, the belts, you know, and who fights who, and that truly doesn't make it a sanctioning body. And until we have that, and we can have this organization fight this organization for their belts, you know, and they're separated, you, you're not going to have that unbiasedness. You're not going to see that matchup and other venues that are going to be included into bringing that and showcasing it there. So the closest we have right now is, is uh, you know, King of the Cage that comes up that you have at the casino because they're still bringing that. And just recently, bare-knuckle fighting. So, uh, Well, yeah. I'd, I'd, for charity, I'd fight a couple public figures after the last 20 months. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we could sell that. I, I bet you there's a, there's a couple that we could maybe sell that place <laughs> out. We, we might have to put that challenge out. There. Yeah, I mean, I, you'll have to get me in shape, though. It's going to take a while. All right, all right. Well. I work the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I That'd be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, AJ, was I, a, I never rule out some arena for that for myself. <laughs> a ring right there. <laughs> I, I never do. You know, it's it's waiting for that right moment. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm in my going to my seventh uh, term now for the president for the Erie County Judges and Police Conference, and um, uh, I think we've done a lot of good work there. Uh, with our charities and everything else, uh, I got a couple more projects in the mix that'll be coming to light. One of them is based around uh, martial arts. Um, 
I guess I'll share it here. One of the things we're looking to do, much like they do with the uh, junior hockey and the junior Olympics, is now that things are opening back up and with the Explore More Museum, is looking at having that entity, as we talked about with the Hall of Fame, at this end of town in the state, mm-hmm. and uh, but hosting and becoming the staple for hosting the uh, uh, Junior Olympics now that they're represented so much and in, uh, in the Olympics now, but hosting them for under 18 uh, for martial arts here in, in this area. Be a great idea. Yeah. You've been working area. for the Hall of Fame for a long time, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember that. And now, and now with uh, the, the certain individuals, uh, you know, that uh, we brought into the fold, I think uh, we, we may have that avenue to pursue uh, the physical space and the capital for it. So That'd see. be great. I'll never forget the golf tournament we were playing with them. Were you playing with us? <laughs> when we, we made him spin kick the fucking guy in our <laughs> ate some. <laughs> and he fucking kicked it over his head, scared the shit out of him. <laughs> well, he's known in some circle as the man. So, AJ Varel, thanks for stopping by. You are now licensed to talk, brother. Thank All you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, All right, AJ. Enjoy it. Anytime.